Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm uh, good. How are you? How's, uh, I'm doing well, thank you. Um, are you taking part of Blackout Wednesday? Is that a thing? Yeah, it's the day, you know, all the college kids are back home, you get back I've together. Heard, I've and... heard there's something like that. But yeah, this there's... is like the third biggest drinking day of the year. Oh, behind what, New Year's and St. Patty's Day or something? Fourth of July is probably big. The fuck was that? Are you drinking a beer? Huh? Are you drinking a beer? Welcome to MMA and stuff on halfguarded.com. My name is Matt. That is Mr. Michael Coughlin Esquire. Uh, this week we're going to bring you all the news and MMA and stuff and Blackout Wednesday. This past Saturday we had UFC <laughs> Fight Night Argentina, Neil Magny versus Ponzi Scheme, Ponzinibbio. Did you watch this show, Mr. Coughlin? I did, yeah. I watched the whole thing. It uh, aired live from Buenos Aires at Estadio Mary Terran de Vice Arena. Who I'm sure is like the ancestor or descendant of a Nazi. Possibly. There are a lot of old Nazis. I think it's more Chile, if memory serves me. Argentina's got quite a few of them, from what I remember on the word on the street and all that. Yeah, I mean, from what Tim Kennedy has told me, um, there's a lot in South America. Those Nazis have to be long in the tooth, though, don't they? I don't know. I feel like Nazis are kind of like venereal diseases and they never go away. Like the kids are Nazis automatically? Like if your dad's a Nazi, you become a Nazi as well? Yeah, I would think that... It's It's almost like a race. You can't get rid of it. If you're Caucasian, you're Caucasian. If you're it's a Nazi, kinda, you're a Nazi. It's kind of like race, yeah. You're born with it. It defines you. <laughs> it's like it's... Maybelline. You're born with it. In yeah. the main event, Ponzinibbio defeated Neil Magny by knockout at 236 of the fourth round. Uh, good fight, I thought. I, I don't know how you felt about it, but uh, Magny looked good in the first, and then uh, Ponzinibbio kind of took over with some leg kicks, like calf kicks, actually, which... Uh, Magni was having trouble with one of his legs. Both guys were bleeding from their eyes at different points of this fight. Uh, but Ponzinibbio landed a right hand right on the jaw, and Magni went out, and he was out cold, face-planted, Ric Flair style. Yeah, that, those calf kicks in, in particular, it's, it's weird how that strike has just, over the past couple of years, become like the most devastating kick there is. Every time it happens in a fight, whenever guys use it, it's successful. It's a hell of a technique. I would be afraid to throw that because I'd be afraid of going shin on shin. I think that if you're throwing leg kicks, though, you're kind of accepting that risk. I know, but if you're going to like the meat of the thigh, like above the knee, there's nothing really there that's going to hurt your own shin. Oh, I know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, these, these are tough guys. They're tough guys. I, I can't relate at all. I can't either. Uh, what did you think of Ponzinibbio's performance? Uh, beating Neil Magny, number eight ranked mm-hmm. welterweight in the world. A lot of wins at welterweight. Were, were you impressed or was it what you expected? Um, yeah, I guess he, he looked all right. I, uh, I was impressed that he kind of showed a little bit of composure 
you know, I, I, I thought Magny would end up winning this due to, you know, his experience maybe. Sure. But Ponsonibio, you know, again, in his hometown, home country there. I don't know if it's hometown. Fucking, I assume they're all in the same town. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he did what he needed to do. I'll never uh, remember the fight, but it was a good fight. It was good, but it wasn't. It wasn't like again. It, there's been a lot of good stuff lately. I remember sure. last year they had that show in November that was uh, from West uh, West Virginia, just Virginia, uh, with uh, Anthony Pettis when he lost to uh, Dustin Poirier. That fight was awesome. Yeah, and then Pettis somehow got like a world title shot or whatever the fuck he just got. So yeah. <laughs> It's got a world title shot. I missed well, that. He fought Tony Ferguson, so he kind of did. Okay, fair enough. Um, anybody you'd like to see Ponzinibbio fight next? Uh, what is this welterweight? Uh, um, Mike Perry. Off a loss. Yeah, what the, I don't really give a shit about Ponzinibbio's career or anything like that. I don't expect him to go anywhere in life. Like he's fine. So let him fight Mike Perry. They kind of they look the same. They remind me of one another. Okay. Uh, in the semi-main event, we had uh, the bully Ricardo Lamas defeating Darren the Damage Elkins by TKO at 409 of the third. Uh, competitive fight early, and then uh, Lamas lived up to his nickname, the bully, and kind of just pulled away, uh, landed some ground and pound. Debatable early stoppage here. Elkins wasn't out of it, but he wasn't really defending that well either. Uh, just, you know, lost to punches on the ground and the ref stepped in. I was the whole fight. I was just fascinated by Darren Elkins because I was thinking about how guys like him are probably going to be more and more rarity in the sport going forward. Like somebody like him and somebody like George St. Pierre are simply not doing the same thing. They're not fighting. They don't compete in the same way. They don't train the same way. And yet they both can have success doing what they do. And like these guys like Elkins, he's just tough. And yeah, he's got his skill and all this. But fuck, man, like everything he does is due to grit. The way he right. wrestles is just like, I'm going to fucking just jam my forehead, my cauliflower ear into your chest and just make it really uncomfortable for you. And then like, that's what he does. Like, you just know he was a guy that was just oil checking people and doing whatever. And that's you know him. who he reminds me of Tim Elliott for some reason, just like, like a grinder works really hard. Isn't like the most athletic skilled guy, but re- like really wants to win and he'll bust his ass. Like he's got that, I don't yeah. know, blue collar mentality maybe. But, yeah. There, uh, there's definitely that. And, it's, and let's face it. It's a white guy, blue collar. Because, sure. like, the black guys are just better athletes. So, like, the white guys just, like, have to be the guys where you're just like, boy, he sure is just, like, I guess he's tough. Like, yeah. when people are always complain, like, oh, you don't call the black guy tough or, or smart or whatever. It's like, that's because, like, the white guy is only competing due to these really weird things. Like, we all understand that, like, straight up the black guy is winning every time. The white guy's got to figure out some trick, essentially, to compete with the black man. We are the white devils. Johnny Walker, um, I'm not a scotch drinker, defeated Khalil Roundtree Jr., not senior, by knockout with an elbow at 157 of the first. Johnny Walker still does not have a Wikipedia page. This was his UFC debut against a decent fighter in Roundtree coming off that Gokan Saki win. And Walker just walked through Khalil Roundtree here. Um, he got him in... Uh, what do you call that? The 
the Thai plum there and was mm-hmm. landing knees to the body. And Roundtree couldn't do anything. And I always picture Roundtree as like a strong dude who should be able to get out of that. And Walker just kind of manhandled them, landed knees, then a short elbow, a second short elbow. And Roundtree was out, and Walker finished it with punches on the ground. Impressive win by a guy in his debut here. Yeah, he, he really came across as like kind of like you've seen a few more prospects, as I feel like, or maybe I'm just paying attention more. But between him <laughs> and uh, Israel Adesanya, I feel like, okay. Like, there's something there, like, especially the way he controlled that clinch and just the power and the way he kind of came across in the fight. And it's kind of this semi esoteric type of, oh, I'm hearing a dog run around. Uh, but he just kind of, you can just tell he's a, he's a little better, but a different class, maybe, of potential at least. Yeah, it was interesting because for a guy making his debut, there was some confidence and swagger there that, like, immediately jumped out to me. He didn't take, Roundtree that serious at all and Roundtree's a guy who's won you know a handful of fights in the UFC he's not a world beater but he's a solid UFC fighter and it was just like Walker had no problem throwing him around the cage which was pretty impressive um he's 6'6 has some reach at light heavyweight he, he could be a name to look for in the future um obviously it's a short um you know, resume, there's not much to base that on, but an impressive debut nonetheless. Uh, Middleweight Ian Heinich defeated Cesar Pajera. Uh, Everything okay over there? There's a crazy dog running around. Is he yours? Yeah. Yeah, Mutanch. Uh, Unanimous decision, 30-27, Yeah, That was actually somewhat of a surprise just because you don't. I don't. At least I don't associate uh, Cesar Ferreira from being able to fight more than five minutes. So good for him. <laughs> Impressive. Yeah. Defeat. Uh, Marlon Vera defeated Guido Canetti. Uh, rear naked choke at one thirty-one of the second. Yeah, good fight. Uh, Canetti, kind of Guido for being a dirty Italian, did did all right. Cynthia Calvillo missed weight. She weighed in at 118 for a fight. She had to be 116. Uh, she defeated Pollyanna Botelo by rear naked choke at 448 of the first. She's done Calvillo. this before. Yeah, she she dominated this fight, though, like on the ground. It, it was like nothing. She took her down multiple times and just controlled position, had side control, mount, just wreck this other lady uh but she did miss weight she blamed it on her period um i've never had a period so i don't know how that actually affects a weight cut and i've never cut weight either so i can't really speak on this as an expert on both of those things i can attest that uh <laughs> oftentimes the way that a woman's body responds uh, to the menstruation process is by retaining yes. water so as to give the uh, potential fetus a cushioning from the sloshing it gets around from the penis or something. I don't I don't really know how pregnancies work. But yeah, Kelvio, she got the win and she did she did it once before where uh she gets like the rear naked choke but she didn't bother with the hooks. And I think it mm. I think I think it throws her opponents off. It's kind of a clever technique because everybody's waiting like okay she's got her hand here on the neck. She's gonna try to put the hooks in and she just says fuck it I'm just gonna do the choke. Yeah. Um, I'm looking, yeah, she missed weight against uh, Joanne Calderwood back in July of 2017. She weighed in at 180. Actually, that's a lie. Calderwood missed weight. She uh, usually I, makes weight. They look. They all look the same. I, I think you're forgetting Calvillo's uh, 
positive marijuana test. Maybe no, I was that's... thinking I was thinking that Calvillo's won a fight with the same type of rear naked choke once before. Gotcha. Yeah, Pearl Gonzalez. Yeah. And I think it was the same deal where she didn't even bother with the hooks. She just grabbed it kind of from a, a referee's writing position, and that was all she wrote. On the Fox Sports 1 prelim card, uh, the main card was also on Fox Sports 1, FYI. Uh, the shortest welterweight on earth, Michelle Prezeris, <laughs> defeated Bartos Fabinski with a guillotine at 102 of the first. He just, like, dove on this thing, and uh, it looked like old Fabinski, I think, looks like he may have tapped, and then he didn't tap, and then he, he eventually right. tapped. When, when that big son of a bitch grabbed it. Prezeris, like, like, eight and one now or some weird shit? Prezeris is a very weird fighter. I think we were going back and forth on uh, Facebook Messenger. Um, Tractor here is now 26-2 and two overall. Jeez. And in the UFC, he is 10-2. and two. He lost his debut against Paulo Tiago, and he lost a unanimous decision against Kevin Lee. Um, he's never been finished in a fight. Both his losses were decisions. Um, and he's literally should be fighting at like 135 pounds. He is five foot six. Yeah, and he's, he's a, fighting welterweights and he, winning. Yeah, he's a, Yeah, it's 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 odd. And and it's clearly this he really shouldn't be at that weight either. It's very clear that he's right. just got a lot of excess muscle and water. Like he's looks like he's carrying water weight like he's Cynthia Calvillo. He's also 37. Like, he's not young. He's old, and he's still winning against guys that are literally six inches taller than him. And that's weird, because usually you don't see guys in their, like, you know, later half of their late 30s, if you will, with records like that. Yeah. That are, uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Like, you know, like, unless they've been around for a long time, like a George St. Pierre type, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, he had 15 wins in a row, and then he fought, like, three times for 12 years. Like, 16 and two or 26 and two or whatever. It's like, that's a, that's a crazy record. That's better than GSP. Yeah. And again, I get, and, <laughs> and, and I get that, you know, a lot of that's not in the UFC, but even then, like yeah. usually guys don't win that many fights before getting in the UFC or they don't fight that late. I don't know why he's so old. He maybe went to jail. Maybe he was a rapist or something. Um, he's, he's, at, he's run off eight straight wins in the UFC. No one's ever heard of him. Eight wins. Well, I guess I was thinking about this, how, like, at one point back in the day, you know, George St. Pierre would get, like, four wins in a row. You'd be like, holy shit, that's a lot of wins in a row, this title shot. And now it's, like, eight in a row. Nobody's heard of him. But also back then, guys weren't getting into the UFC right away. Like, we are seeing a lot of these UFC shows that are not UFC. They are LFA. They are whatever Ed Suarez's promotion. It's jungle fight. This is a jungle fight record, really. It's a jungle Even fight. Yeah. I mean, the guys he's fought in the UFC don't have big names, but he yeah. still is 10-2 and two in the but UFC. Those are all, like, I bet all those fights almost, for the most part, would have been jungle fights in, in the UFC. Um, he has missed weight at 155 three times. He said he wanted to go back down to 155, which is obviously his more natural weight class, if not even lower. So we'll, we'll see what he gets for a fight next, but he's 37. It's kind of now or never for him. He's got to get a big fight here. He, Maybe something on short notice he can get in there, but it's like nobody's heard of this guy, and he's on a run. If I've if there's ever been one in the UFC, it's I want to say it's like Tony Ferguson level because it's not the same level of competition, but he's a, at this point easily a top ten lightweight if he can make that weight. 
Yeah, for sure. Especially when you know you're talking about his losses and yeah, set aside your debut. That loss your only real loss lately is Kevin Lee. Turns mm. out that's a pretty damn impressive especially going to the decision, because we've seen how Kevin Lee turns out he's real deal top level elite talent. He's gonna go out there and beat Dylan Dennis. And uh, <laughs> uh in a jujitsu match, no less. Yeah, God, I hope he does. Wouldn't that be amazing if he did? He just goes out there and just smashes him. He's like, bitch, I wrestle. I think it's funnier if he loses to him for some reason quickly, um, gets choked out. I find that more amusing. I like when people go into someone else's discipline and think they can win and get destroyed. Dylan Dance is such a, a, such a dick, though. I mean, he's <laughs> just true. Like, he's really like, if this is all an act, he's outstanding. Uh, Alexander Pantoja defeated Uka Sasaki by rear awesome. naked choke at 218 of the first. Why was it awesome? Oh, his Pantoja's jujitsu was just outstanding. And it was it was so good. Like I'm watching it going, like, you shouldn't be this much better than somebody, especially like little guys. Like Uka Sasaki should not be out grappled like he was, but he was just methodically taken apart by a guy who didn't overextend himself and just controlled and just eased his way into victory the way that a rapist like Bill Cosby did into all all those 50-some-odd women. All right, here's another show I can't tell anyone about. Uh, Pantoja (laughs) is now 4-1 in the UFC. Uh, He's got wins over Brandon Moreno, uh, Neil Siri. So a a couple names there, definitely some potential. He's only 28. the problem with that is he's a flyweight, and that division's going to be uh, banished, and he'll probably be cut. It's a race against the clock for him. Can you win a title before it disappears? <laughs> Actually, I kind of like that gimmick. That sounds like a Vince Russo gimmick. Like, who will be the guy to be crowned the last ever champion? I saw a hel- uh, hilarious Vince Russo tweet where he was talking about um, Charlotte Flair and how he discovered her and was the first one to put her on TV on some skit on like oh Nitro back in 01. She was like 14 and Russo went to like Flair's house and beat up Flair in the house and like Reed and Charlotte and David, all the kids were there like in the background. It's pretty good. I, I think he was trolling, but I, I still appreciated the it's, it's 20 year reference. It's difficult to tell with Russo, especially if it involves like underage women and girls and stuff like I don't know if he's got any. He feels like the kind of guy that would have something like that. So, yeah, it's the wrestling business. Exactly. That's really it. Yeah. At Featherweight, Austin Arnett defeated Umberto Bondane by unanimous decision. Yeah, I don't remember. Loriano Steropoli defeated Hector Aldana in a welterweight fight, unanimous decision. I remember watching this fight just because I think it was Paul Felder made some comment about Steropoli, and it's and I thought to myself, was that does that racist what he said? Because it sounded like it was an anti-Italian thing, but that may have just been me in my head. Probably the the latter. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Pinedo defeated Devin Powell and. Nad Naramani defeated Anderson Dos Santos by unanimous decision. Like, I, I, I was chanting go, Nad, during that fight. Yeah, I bet you were. In yeah. bonuses, the fight night, fight of the night went to Loriano Steropoli versus Hector Aldana, and performances went to Santiago Ponzi Scheme and Johnny Walker Red. And uh, that was... 
and I, I got distracted. I, I, t- I put on the old Bellator from last week. I was just watching some of this prelim shit here. Yes. And I see this guy. He's got like his shaved head and all these tattoos. I'm like, boy, he looks like a neo-Nazi. Then I remember they're in Israel, so probably not. Are you talking about Cindy Dandwa? No. No. All right. Uh, yeah, there was Bellator 209. That was on Friday, the, the day before that UFC fight night show from Tel Aviv. Israel is that the capital now? Did Trump change that? No, it was Tel Aviv. It's now Jerusalem. I've never heard of okay. either. It was always Jerusalem because, <laughs> like you know, countries get to make their own fucking capitals. But oh, they Trump all... doesn't get to pick them. No, well, that's the thing. Israel is all like, oh my gosh, this this dude I thought it was a skinhead neo Nazi has a star of David on his trunk. So he's really. That's all I've never seen a Jew with this many tattoos before. Holy shit, this is crazy. It's a very impressive looking Jew. Jeez, he's going to take your money and then count it for you. Anyways, um, yeah, I don't know. Trump, Trump made it something. In the main event, uh, Patricio Freire defeated Manny Sanchez by unanimous decision. 48-46, 48-47, 48-47. Close fight, but uh, Manny could not get the job done. Yeah, it was a good fight, and I think that it was probably the right decision. Um, Pitbull just landed more. He didn't land more shots, but he did seem to win the fight overall. And some of that was cosmetic damage. Manny just was beaten up and bloodied, and I don't know, looked like something that Cynthia Calvillo will need soon. But other than that, I was really stretching there. Um, yeah, yeah but, I don't even know what that means. Uh, he looked like a tampon. He's all bloody and stuff. But she probably already needed that. That that was a few days ago. I, she she'll probably needed. She'll need it again. She has a longer cycle than most. Or a shorter. I don't know. I don't know what her cycle is like. That's why I should entitled this episode, Cynthia Calvillo's Cycle. <laughs> just, and then just tweet it, and she'd be like, what the fuck? Send you a podcast or, about my vagina bleeding? Or it could be like her on a bicycle. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, I've I, I got to be totally honest. I've been watching Bellator since it was on like MTV two back in the day. I remember that. Yeah. And I still don't know which Pitbull is which. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. I, I get totally confused because they move weight classes. One's they're a champ, both like, one's not as good. I, I don't know what's going both, on. And they both move between 45 and 55. Right. And one's like Patricky. I, I don't know. I, I, I and they're no, both it, called Pitbull. It's very confusing. They look they, alike. They've embraced Ugh. the great Latin uh, Latin tradition of just giving your kids the same fucking name. Like George Foreman. That's just weird. Yeah. He's Latin, I think. In the co-main event, uh, baby Randy Couture defeated Haim Gozala by unanimous decision. Where is George Foreman from? I mean, I assume the South. That's racist. In a light heavyweight fight, Vadim Nemkov defeated Phil Davis by split decision. I don't know how Phil Davis lost this fight. I did not watch it. But Phil Davis losing to some guy I've never heard of sounds weird. Foreman's from Texas. Also, I agree that is weird. Vadim Nemkov is a Russian professional Sambo world champion. Huh. All right. He's 26 and he is now 10 and 2. Uh, he's undefeated in Bellator 3 and 0. Hmm. I'm going to yeah. find this fight then and watch it. Maybe he's uh, better than we thought. Apparently. I mean, if you beat. Actually, I don't want to knock on Phil Davis too much, but Phil Davis is a weird one. Like, something. When he went to Bellator, he just quit. 
Did you know, he? like he he just it just seemed like he didn't care. Like he wasn't as sharp. Like, you know, Bader, Bader looks like he's turned it up and you'd be like, Hey, Ryan Bader's done all right. Phil Davis kind of faded. Yeah, I mean he's six and two in Bellator. Uh his only losses are a split decision to Bader and a split decision to this Vadim dude. So, so they, there you go. Yeah. But the guys he's beat haven't been great either. Uh, yeah. Emmanuel Newton, Francis Carmont, uh, King Mo, Liam McGeary, Leonardo Leite, and Linton Vassell. So he's beaten like the old Bellator light heavyweight crew. Yeah. But he's he's beaten, I guess, some of the guys he's supposed to. But mm. no one gives a shit. <laughs> Just about Bellator in general. Glad yeah. we're reviewing the show. In women's featherweight, 145 pounds, Olga Rubin, who you were hoping was attractive, defeated Cindy Dandois by unanimous decision. And was she attractive? I did not see the fight. Yeah, me neither. And last but not least, um, Adam Koresh from Waco, Texas, defeated Kirill Sidelnikov by knockout at 112 of the first. Good for him. I'm sure he did his home state of Texas, also the home of George Foreman. Proud. Uh, moving along in Stranger News, uh, Rachel Ostevich's husband, Arnold Burden, has been arrested on an attempted murder charge. Yeah, you don't see that one every day. Like when that one flashes up on the old ESPN notification things, Rachel Ostevich's fiance or husband arrested for alleged attempted murder. I'm like, ooh. That's a that's a that's going to be a tough one to explain away. So Rachel Ostevich is a uh, UFC women's fighter. Um, if you can tell by her first name of Rachel, uh, TMZ was first to report this news. Uh, Arnold Burdon is also an MMA fighter. He's currently in custody and has not yet been arraigned. The case is still under investigation. The charge could be changed. Burdon, 27, allegedly attacked Ostevich during an argument early Sunday morning at their home in Waianae area of Honolulu County. Ostevich, 27, was hospitalized for a broken orbital bone, among other injuries. She was treated and later released on Sunday. I remember when I saw the story, I was like, I wonder if like, what's funny about this? Is it kind of like, oh, she doesn't, can you make like hacky MMA jokes? That's not, what a sad state of affairs. I hope yeah. he dies. You know, and I hope that's that, weird. Uh, I, I hope he gets raped by Travis Brown. Like, I try and, like, understand where people are coming from and relate to different people, even though, like, I don't have a lot in common with them. But, like, I can't imagine, like, like punching a, like, a, a woman in the face so hard that it breaks her orbital bone. Like, what the fuck? Well, I... I don't know. Like, I, just I guess what, like it... no matter what the argument is, just fucking walk away. Like, you don't oh, have to well, hit yeah. anybody. It's so stupid. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, especially for him getting charged for attempted murder. Like, it must have been obviously more than just like one, like, oh no, I lost my temper one time. Like, this is, uh, this is just awful. On Tuesday, Ostevich filed for and was granted a temporary restraining order. The order expires on May 19th, 2019. So, May 19th, the date of, of uh, Kane's movie, See No Evil. The greatest, the, the greatest fucking marketing ever. I will never forget that date. Uh, the couple has a daughter together. 
Um, oh, geez. She was also scheduled for a fight against Paige Van Zandt on the UFC ESPN Plus debut card in January in Brooklyn. Um, I'm guessing that fight's not going to happen now. Man, this is this see. is a weird one. Like, I bet for all those years, Dana White never really thought he'd have to figure out, like, what do I do when one of my fighters can't fight because they've been the victim of a domestic abuse situation? <laughs> like, he's, he's had a lot of experience with the reverse of that, but it probably never occurred to him that somebody would take out one of his fighters. Probably, probably a given Dana White's life that he figured, oh, at the very least, they're not going to get in any trouble at home. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's a bummer. Don't uh, hit women, guys. Uh, speaking of Dana White, he, uh, was in the news a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, he says he wants Daniel Cormier to put off his retirement plans for a trilogy fight with John Jones. Uh, this comes in sharp contrast to things in the past. Dana White has said he often, uh, claims that fighters, if they're thinking about retiring, they should do it. Cormier about a year ago said he wanted to retire before he was 40, which would be, in March of 2019. And now uh, White is going a complete 180 here and saying Cormier should not retire. Uh, He told TMZ Sports, I don't know if Cormier's last fight will be next year. We don't know that either yet. I think Cormier's got a couple left in him. Did did the fight with with, uh, Derek Lewis do super business and nobody's talked about it? No, it did very poorly, actually. I so, think it did, like, 250,000 yeah, lives. Yeah, like, I, I... Look, on some level, there's something to be said for the fact that Cormier is obviously competing at a high level. He's not taking any damage, but... Sure. Look, this is the fight game. Dane, Dane is absolutely right when he said it before. Like, the moment you start thinking about retirement, it's pretty much over. Now, it's, it's a testament to Cormier's incredible t- talent that he's been planning to retire and still been able to compete. Sure. But, damn it, man. It's a sport where just... One split second will just change the rest of your life. Get out while you can. Don't fight and don't fight John Jones again. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Even all it is is for people like me to get high and laugh at you as you get humiliated by that man. <laughs> well, it's just so dumb. Like, here's the thing. Like, a lot of people have shit on Dana White since whatever he started running the company back in. I don't even know two thousand one, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, and. Like, you know, the first 10 years, I felt like he was fairly honest and kind of legitimate for a promoter. It's like the last couple of years, it's like he's just jumped the shark and kept jumping it over and over again. It's like you have stated so many times guys should retire, Chuck Liddell, Matt Hughes, Forrest Griffin, all these guys who still could have drawn for you and still made money for your company. You're telling them, you know what, I don't want to see them get hurt. They're, They're washed up, whatever. I think it's time they walk away. And then there's a guy who sets a date, wants to retire, is 40 years old, has been competing since he was 10 in wrestling and MMA and everything else at a high level. And he wants to walk away with his health intact, still able to announce with all his faculties. And you're saying he should stick around for a couple more. Like, what the fuck is going on over there, Dana? It, it makes me wonder if there's got to be some context to this that I'm missing or something. Because it get. W- Dana's been he's a pretty good track record when it comes to like guys say they don't want to fight. He's like, that's it, I'm out. Like I don't ever hear about Dana begging guys to come back. So for him to do it with Daniel Cormier tells me that he must really, really, really get off and watching John Jones humiliate fat guys. 
White said, I hope he can stick around beyond March. That was what I would like. I would like to see Jones and Cormier fight at heavyweight, but right now Cormier's team wants him to retire. They want him to retire right now. I hope we can get three more fights out of him. I think that it would be reasonable. I mean, look, the the Lester fight will happen if Brock is good to go. And then, depending on how that goes, we've talked about it for like, I think Jones and Cormier heavyweight would be fine. I would have a problem with, but it's, it's, to me, it's Cormier's choice here. Like, if he wants to do it, great. If he doesn't, excellent. Uh, the only downside is I don't want him. Oh, this is a tricky one for me. I want a fighter not to get hurt, but I mm-hmm. really, really, really don't want Cormier to be doing any more commentary. <laughs> <laughs> did you, um, speaking of Brock, did you see any of Survivor Series this past Sunday? I watched a, a little bit. I watched Brock's match. And and he then, fought who do you, Daniel who do you Bryan, wrestling? and that was supposed to be a good match. I, I did not see it. Though. I think literally all it was kind of it was interesting because all Brock did was just beat him up a lot, and then Daniel Bryan like kicked him in the balls and like kept hitting him with like things like it did like a good job of kind of like Daniel Bryan like always like moving out of the way at the last second or doing this and that, and then at the end Brock just grabbed him and hit him with his move, and that was it. It was a Brock match. It was fine. Uh, there was some. Somebody, some chant in the crowd and something like same old shit or whatever at Brock. <laughs> and it, it was one of those moments where I'm like, oh, oh this is it. It's over. Because this was in L.A. And the way that it came across and even like I felt I'm like, yeah, that's it. I've seen this match before. I love Brock matches. I've seen them. It was really, really cool. But yeah. it's, it's happened enough that the awe of just watching like toss around John Cena and you're going, holy shit. He's just murdering people. It's like, I've seen it. It's what Brock does. He murders them. It's fine. But if he never does it again, I don't give a shit. The the Ronda Charlotte Fair, Flair match was supposed to be pretty good too, right? I don't know. I, I watched like two seconds of it. I saw, weird... Ronda, I saw Ronda's stupid fucking eye shadow or whatever makeup. I'm like, you're an asshole. And I just turned it off. Wow. You're so superficial. Yeah. It's an industry built on it's it's literally a superficial business all it is is faking things it's all superficial you can be your own person not pro wrestling you can't you can um i i I started watching it and it was weird because i got about five minutes into the match and then wwe network just booted me and i couldn't get back into it oh really really weird yeah it was bizarre do you subscribe to it no i i use (laughs) someone else's account but uh, who will remain? Who will remain nameless? Remain nameless? I don't know. Wait, wait, are you using my account? No. Oh. But maybe I should try that one. I don't give a shit. You pay for WWE Network, but not for UFC. No, I I, I got one free that is month. Baffling. I got a free month of WWE Network with WrestleMania or whatever time, mm-hmm. and then I canceled it. I've never been charged for it. They haven't canceled the thing from me though, so I keep getting access to it. Everyone's yeah. always, every couple of months, I'll be like, hey, look at that. There it is. Good system they have going there. Oh, yeah. They're winners. You can afford it with all your attorney money, though. I, I, here's the thing. Even though I could afford it, I'm not going to do it. Fuck WWE Network. Yeah, it's just stupid. Yeah. Sometimes you got to take a stand. I understand. Yeah, I, have, I have value. <laughs> Values. No, just value. <laughs> yeah, that's... Podcast is free. Uh, in other news, Nick Diaz may be returning to the UFC after a four-year absence. 
He is slated to make his first appearance in the Octagon at UFC 235. Uh, rumors are he might return to face Jorge Masvidal in a welterweight fight. I mean, it's fine. I don't. It's not like I, I hear about the fight and I'm like angry or something. But it's <laughs> odd that like this is what Nick Diaz is coming back to is Jorge Masvidal. Like, really? Yeah, I think Ma- he took Masvidal... all those years. All that time off, and Jorge Masvidal gets his goat. Uh, okay. It's a weird fight, but I know there's some sort of kinship there between Nate and Masvidal, because Masvidal was going to fight Nate on short notice on that MSG show after Poirier pulled out. Like, Masvidal offered to take the fight. Nate ended up, whatever, not wanting to do it. So, I in like, I, Nate gave him a shout-out on Twitter um, I forget what he used to call him like a real gangster or some, some bullshit like that. Um, so th- there was something there. So I, I can see Nick liking him based on Nate, but I, I think Nick would come back for a bigger name than Jorge Masvidal. It's kind of weird that Nate was going to come back and face Poirier. And now Nick is going to come back and face Masvidal when they could get bigger money fights. Yeah. Like at least like, I mean, Realistically, this is what Nick is at. He should be fighting. True. Like he shouldn't be fighting anybody, but he hasn't really earned it. But it's Nick. Uh, and to me, again, Jorge Masvidal is an odd choice. The fact that the fight's being announced so early catches me off guard. Like, since when do they announce fights in for March? Mm. Like it's November. It's like mid-November. They don't even have a. They just like three weeks ago they announced the main event of the pay per view that was two weeks ago. So like I, I, I can't imagine I can't imagine they're they're booking undercard fights for shows in March. Do you know the last time Nick Diaz won a fight? Um, uh, yeah, BJ Penn. Do you know when that was? October of two thousand eighteen, two thousand twelve, eleven. Damn, jeez. He hasn't won a fight. Like, if he fights in March, it'll be eight years since he won a fight. That was That's BJ... most people's careers. <laughs> most MMA fighters only last eight years. Running backs in the NFL average three years. He hasn't won a fight in eight. Against BJ Penn, who was smaller and already washed up. Who is also still fighting, by the <laughs> I was way. I to say, who's still fighting, so which is stupid. insane. I mean, Nick Diaz is... He's been suspended longer than most fighters' careers are. Like, Nick Diaz, since he left Strike Force, has one win in the UFC. <laughs> and yet the son of a bitch has managed to just keep himself as, as a main event or something. Like, in every universe, if Nick Diaz, if he came back and got one win, everybody would be like, well, when's he going to fight for the title? Well, it was funny how he was booked because he went, like, on a big run in Strike Force against the end. In the end, against like non wrestlers, guys, he could beat. You know, there were perfect matchups, whether it was, you know, Frank Shamrock or Scott Smith or KJ Noons, like Paul Daly. All those fights were like perfect for him. Then he comes in, he beats the undersized BJ Penn. Then he loses to Condit. Then he loses to GSP, and he has no contest with Anderson. Like, people think like the Diaz brothers are dumbasses, but, you know, some of that attitude and how they conduct themselves has. Like paid so many dividends for them. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. 
they're well, they're Trumpian. Yeah, they're just people that just they just live as they live their life according to their rules and only their rules, and it doesn't make any sense and it shouldn't work, and yet somehow it does. And that's why Nick and Nate are probably going to get big paydays now because they've dumbed them. Like they've cyborged it and Tito'd it. Like this stuff works. If you play, if you fight WWE or UFC at all, you always win. Like that's the thing about the, all these, like, all of these contracts unfair. It's like, guys, the companies have proven if you take any kind of a stand, they're going to cave. What are you doing over there? Just opening something. That's all. What is it? Oh, just a uh, piece of gum. Just getting the wrappers off the gum. It's a large piece of gum. No, is the, it the, like the, ra- the, is it like gift wrapped or something? The cellophane was around a piece of gum. <laughs> is it extra? Uh, it's uh, what do you call it? Uh, orbits for a nice clean feeling. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, do you think Nick Diaz will actually fight Jorge Masvidal? Um, I think that he will fight Jorge Masvidal. I don't think it will happen in March. And I also don't know if it will happen in a sanctioned fight or if it will just happen. Somewhere in Miami. Or Stockton or, or Vegas. This has got, this has like, this has uh, Caesar's Palace uh, gift shop or something <laughs> written all over it. Outside of like some fancy, outside of the Spearmint Rhino. Hmm. Uh, Crone Gracie is on the verge of signing with the, the UFC. He is uh, primarily a jiu-jitsu guy, but also has a couple wins in MMA. Uh, his biggest wins over uh, Kawajiri, uh, where he just dominated Kawajiri on the ground. Uh, Brett Okamoto responded that the UFC reported that the UFC is working on signing decorated grappler Crone Gracie, son of Hickson, with the intent to have him fight at UFC 233 on January 26th in Anaheim. Gracie is 4-0 in MMA. Uh, I don't have a problem with the guy. I don't... UFC wants to bring him in, so be it. They have guys that are worse than him on their roster. So, as a prospect goes, it's fine. If he never fought, I don't really give a shit either. I mean, he's a legit, you know. Well, oh, he's as good as kids. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's got to win over Gary Tonin, um, a submission win over Gary Tonin, which uh, not a lot of people can say. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know if he's officially signed, but it, it looks like they're headed in that direction. And he'll probably beat a lot of mid-level guys on the ground. If you Did you see the Kawajiri fight? A yeah, years I mean, ago. Like yeah. He, he destroyed him on the ground. Like he, he was pulling guard and shit. Like you don't see that a lot in MMA, even against you know elite jujitsu guys going into MMA. They're not pulling guard typically. Oh yeah, no. On the ground, he's better than everyone. In fact, he's probably significantly. He's probably even better than on the ground than you would think because I think that the level of jujitsu in MMA is quite a bit lower than we might think at first glance because so many guys are just playing the game where they just stand up and run away. So if he can get guys and try to do any kind of jujitsu game, he'll win. But eventually someone's just going to punch him in the face and that'll be that. <laughs> like that's the reality. Like this is a sport where you get yeah. punched in the face. It's, it's beautiful for that reason. He is a black belt in judo as well. Uh, five, nine fights at featherweight, uh, 30 years old. So he's going to go to the UFC. Now's the time to do it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect time, prime of his life. His career is exactly where it should be. Athletically, physically, I'm sure he's as best he can be. So uh, good luck at 145 pounds. You're going to – that's tough division there. <laughs> yes. It's a damn tough one there. Uh, speaking of BJJ, Fabricio Verdum, did you just light something? No. Okay. Fabricio Verdum <laughs> set – it's a blackout Wednesday. Yeah, so you can okay. blackout. Blackout however you want. Um, I'm looking I'm forward crack. to this, Mr. Coughlin. You can give me your thoughts. I think you follow the BJJ scene more than I do. But uh, Gordon Ryan is set to face Fabricio Verdum in a combat jiu-jitsu match in February. And I hope to God Verdum gets injured badly in this matchup. Yeah, I don't really uh, believe in God. That's a, a euphemism, I guess. It's not a euphemism at all. Uh, it's just... <laughs> But uh, it's a heck of a match. It's the combat jujitsu. I've I mean, I've actually never really seen it. Like I'm aware of it, kind of like well, like you get to slap the... each other. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. Actually, I have seen it because I saw it once. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's new new school versus old school in jujitsu. Uh, Gordon Ryan's a he's a freaking he's a scary beast. I was just watching some uh, highlights of him uh, before we uh, went on the air, and boy, I was. It's a cliche, but it is truly physical chess, the way these guys are moving. Like, they are just setting things up 12 steps in advance. And, boy, there's a movie coming out with Jennifer Lopez, and she looks gorgeous. Like, she has aged very well. Wow. Probably HGH. Whatever it is. Uh, So, Verdum is currently serving a USADA suspension, but is trying to stay busy. Um, This... Jiu-Jitsu match is going to take place in Monterey, Mexico on February 22nd. Eddie Bravo announced this on Tuesday. Uh, both Verdum and Ryan confirmed the match on social media. Uh, I mean, in theory, Gordon Ryan should destroy him, right? Is there a big size difference here? Like um, I- Verdum is bigger. Uh, the, the, here's the thing, though, is that, yeah, in theory, Ryan should win, but Verdum's legit, you know, and he's a big dude and he knows how to play his game. And this is closer to MMA than other jujitsu. So maybe it's a little different, but I don't know. It's weird. We get this weird like thing emerging where these jujitsu guys have found a way to slowly ease their way into MMA. And and I, for one, honestly, I really like it. I think that this kind of combat jujitsu is a great stepping stone. It's a way to develop uh, jujitsu guys into mixed martial artists. Gordon Ryan is 23 years old. And he's yeah. nine in his grappling record, whatever that means on Wikipedia, is 97, 7, and 3. Some men are just born a little better at things. You know, it's this new generation of guys who have been doing X guard and like footlocks since they were three. And so everything is, we're, we're in really, that really what is what it is, is we're seeing guys in America train the way that the Gracies did where they're having their brothers. Cause I think Gordon Ryan's younger brother is like yeah. some 16 year old wonder kid. who's yeah. even better. I, so. I watched that, that, that show. Um, shit. It was on, it was on fight pass. I only watched that first match and yeah, he, he, he was the, the younger brother was even nasty. Um, but yeah, Ryan, Ryan's good. I mean, he's young. He's part of that Dana hair death squad. Um, those hopefully, psychos. I'm hoping he tears Verdum's leg off. 
I mean, I love the I want to see Verdun yeah. fight someone his own size and get and, hurt. You know what it helps? It also helps that John Danaher has got that he's got that Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr kind of woke feeling to him. Where like, you know, like you know the Danaher has been pro gay marriage way before it was fashionable. And so like his guys going out there and beating this you know, retard uh, developmentally slowed this, this dumb guy from, from from Brazil, this bigot. That's, that's kind of cool. Do you know Gordon Ryan's last loss in grappling? Uh was it to? Uh, I think I just watched this match. Um, it was in Russia, I think. And I want to say that it was You're so far off. Okay. Uh, no, it, you it, could, what's the furthest place away from Russia you could get? America. Okay. Um, More specific. California. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, wait, it, it was um it was against um I could pick I just watched the match. Um the guy was, was big. It Long Beach. Yeah, it, Ryan played on the on the it was three rounds, is what I'm thinking. It was uh um What's his fucking name? He's a fucking big jujitsu heavyweight. Uh, he stuffed him. Um, what the fuck is his fucking name? It's it's right there. He's Brazilian. He's a big Brazilian guy as well. Yeah, uh, a lot of big... muscles. Like yeah. you'd be attracted to him, I think. Well, yeah, I would hope so. I mean, he's Brazilian. They could surf and everything. I mean, that's spectacular. That's right. Look Vinny Magalhaes. Yeah, son of a bitch. Um, oh golly, yeah, I'm attracted. You know where muscles. Gordon Ryan was nasty was in that last quintet thing. Like, you know how that if you win, you move on and you fight yeah. the rest of the team? He beat, here we go. He triangle choked Josh Barnett. He rear naked choked Marco Souza. He went to a draw with some other guy. Then he rear naked choked Craig Jones, arm barred Vitor Ribeiro, and then went to a draw with Gregor Gacy. Gracie. The, the Greg Jones match. That, I, that was when I just watched, and that was so fascinating the way that he was there just playing this weird game. And I'm just looking at it going, this is nothing like I've ever done in jiu-jitsu. It's, it's so different. Like, it's, it's such a different game. Yeah. When I, even what I did a couple of years ago. Because what I did was, you know, you could see it in, in MMA. You go, okay, Mike looks like a really shitty version of that. But nowadays, if you saw what I did, you go, that looks nothing what these guys are doing. They're upside down grabbing toes. And I don't understand it, but it's devastating. <laughs> so, yeah, let's hope uh, Verdun gets devastated as well. Uh, Bellator fight announced Gegard Mousasi versus Rafael Lovato Jr. We're seeing with the BJJ theme here for the middleweight title. Uh, that's set for Bellator 214 on January 26th. Yeah, they just announced their fight for January, yet somehow Nick Diaz has a fight booked for March. Come on. Mm. Um, I guess they got to do it. At this point, it feels like Lovato Jr. is way outclassed here, but I don't know what else is left for him. And look, if he gets on the ground, he can win. That's it. it the, when you're so good at something like he is, it's, you always have that, you're always going to have some level of that old school, just throw the jiu-jitsu guy in there, let's see what he does. Do you think he can take Musasi down, though? Like, like yeah. I, I just think Musasi's too experienced and too good and has been around too long. Yeah, like, I, you look at what he did to um, Rory McDonald, and it's like, ugh, I don't like Lovato's chances here. I don't like his chances either. I mean, can he get the fight down? Sure, of course. Lovato's you know, a really good grapple and all this stuff. Uh, and Musashi's not that good of a, you know, in wrestling. 
but still, I would expect Musashi to win this fight pretty handily. Probably knock him out in the second and third. This weekend, we have several, I shouldn't say several, two giant shows. We have the debut of Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy Promotions in MMA, Saturday, November 24th at the Forum in Inglewood, always up to no good, California. Uh, the main event of this card is Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz 3. I can't believe this is happening. I mean, do they have any common sense to know that they're going head-to-head pay-per-view-wise with Tiger and Phil the day before? Like, nobody's going to split their pay-per-view dollars, go towards this. Everybody's going to be buying Tiger and Phil on Friday. I think that's 20 bucks. And do you think people will buy that? Will people buy a golf pay-per-view? I have no idea. I'm, I'm interested in it. I'm interested in it just because it's weird. Like, okay, you're going to charge me 20 bucks to watch these guys play golf. Are they going to do something else? Like, what else am I getting for my 20 bucks here? Like, if they're going to be talking trash, is somebody going to be on fire or like a clown involved or something? It is weird. Um, I'll, I'll be curious to see how that does too. Because golf is big. I mean, not for me, but there's a segment of the population that's really into golf. And it's and they got money. Who have money to waste, typically, yes. Uh, I mean, to go play a round of golf is 90, 100 bucks. So, and you got to take off the whole day membership. and all this shit. It takes like, a few hours, yeah. Well, it depends. And... If you're actually good, you can get through it pretty quick. But if you suck, which I think a lot of people do suck at golf, um, it takes a while, yeah. And let's say if you're good at it, you've had to do it for a long time, which means you had to put all that time into it. And you got to be a rich white guy to have enough time. Just what's your hobby? I walk around for three hours. Anything else? Yeah, that's it. I just walk. Sometimes me and my buddies get tired of walking. So they drive (laughs) us around on a little cart for three hours. And I tell my wife I'm exercising. Sometimes we're drunk. I like people who use a caddy. Like you hire like a 16 year old kid to carry your bag around for you. That's pretty good. My brother was a caddy. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. He uh, did Michael Jordan's. He was Michael Jordan's caddy once. No shit. Yeah, I got like That's a. Cool. I think he got a good tip from him. I would hope. I don't know. Some of those basketball players have a a repu- bad reputation for tip. They're yeah. Michael Jordan's got a lot more money than most basketball players, though. Yeah, but yeah. Um, Tipping is a matter of class. Was Jordan like super competitive, like being a dick? I don't. Know. I don't know. He was. This is like twenty years ago. I wasn't paying attention even then. All right, we should we should find out more about this. Maybe yeah. at Thanksgiving. Oh, Thanksgiving's over for you, isn't it? No, is I'm today your Thanksgiving? No, I'm going to see him again tomorrow. Today was just to see uh, my sister-in-law. Interesting. Okay, and how did that go? Did you do anything stupid? No, I didn't, actually. I was fine. I behaved myself. I waited till I left. Fair enough. You're really uh, lighting it up over there. Yep. Hmm. I'm drinking iced coffee. Uh, who who do you like in Chuck Liddell versus Tito or? Oh my god, three? I have no fucking clue. Have it doesn't feel that? like you should, it. Honestly, it honestly feels like uh, on Friday somebody from the athletic commission is going to step in and go. I'm sorry, wait, that's really happening. Like, no, no, I'm I'm going to put a stop to this. Just stop. Just none of you want to do this. Nobody's going to buy this. What is going on? No, we're not going to do this. Well, people might buy it now because they slashed the price from $50 to $40. Yeah, it was that 10 bucks. It was really keeping people away. On If you buy the show on Black Friday, 
Yeah. It's 20 bucks. Oh, is it really? Yeah. That's interesting. I've never heard of buying a pay-per-view a day early on Black Friday. That's kind of cool. And honestly, 20 bucks is a lot more tempting. 10 bucks, I'd buy it. I'd buy it for 10 bucks. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. No, I really wouldn't. You can get a movie ticket for ten less than 10 bucks for more yep. than 10 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you seen the training footage of Chuck Liddell? Oh, yeah. It, do you think he's trolling people like sandbagging or do you think he's really that slow? Um, I mean, some of that's just kind of Chuck's always looked that way. Right. Like, like if you look at old training footage, Chuck, he's not a speed demon. He's a dude who just kind of lumbers up and does it. Um, and I have no idea, you know, maybe he had heavy gloves on or something. Um, I'm hoping Tito Ortiz gets his revenge and wins this fight and then they can do it again and then again for in the rubber match. I want to do this five times. I want to see a pay-per-view with a best, a fifth rubber match of this fight and the Vanderlei and Rampage fight. Get them both to five on the same card. It would just be, it would be the same thing, which is two guys who are better in their prime slowly losing as these two bitter old fat losers get their revenge decades later. I also hope that uh, the fight's five rounds and it goes to a decision. Oh, yeah, totally. In the co-main event, Darren Wynn takes on filthy Tom Waller. Wait, is this main event with Tito? Is this thing going to be five rounds? I don't know. I, I can't find that information out. Amazing. In that kind of sense, you can't find out how many rounds is this fight going to be? And I'm presuming. I'm, I'm presuming three. I'm presuming that Tito and Chuck don't know. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, well, most fights are three, unless there's a title on the line or it's the main event of a UFC pay per view. There's no yeah. title on the line, and this is certainly not a UFC pay per view. It's a pay per view, though. It is. <laughs> it's a pay per view. Is it on regular pay per view? Because yeah, it says it this pay per view costs forty dollars on Fight TV. Yeah, it's on regular pay-per-view. I saw it. Okay. I All checked. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, thoughts on Darren Wynn versus Tom Lawler? Fuck Tom Lawler. What a loser. That's hurtful. Uh, hey, he's a loser. He got suspended for... Look at all the time he got suspended for. Nobody else gets suspended that long for anything. They just lie. He couldn't say any dick bills on him. What an idiot. Uh, sure? I, I don't really care. I honestly, you know, best luck to him. I hope that he uh, wins. Sure. I guess Darren Wynn's supposed to be a really good wrestler, supposedly. Uh, have no have you heard of him ever? I've never heard of him. Um, I'm going to find out some information for him. What You are in a bad place over there, I feel. I, I keep hearing that later over and over and over again. No, it's, I'm, I'm, not, it's, I'm not lighting cigarettes or anything like are that. Are you depressed again? No, just, it's just, just a, a, a pipe full of a little bit of weed. I'm not always getting tobacco it. and weed like uh, you and Elon Musk. Yeah, except there's no way I would ever have tobacco. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's bad for your health. Uh, Darren Wynn, Tom Waller is the perfect foe to prove I'm ready for the big leagues. All right. Uh, Darren Wynn. Uh, this is an interview. I'm not going to find out. Supposedly he's a really good wrestler, but I can't find any information on him at this time or how many rounds the main event is. Uh, moving along. Oh, should we talk about the undercard? The further under under undercard? We've got Kenneth Byrd versus Jorge Gonzalez. Gleason Tebow versus Efrain Escudera. 
Falal Watson versus Ricardo Palacios and Jay Silva versus Oscar Coda. Like they have a bunch of guys you're kind of like, oh, I've heard of him. People are going to pay for this. Like, how many buys does this show do? 25,000. That's it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say that many. Well, I think I'll do more than that. I don't. I uh, nobody's talked about this at all. Oh, but it's the day of that decides it. Yeah, well, you're gonna lose all that attention, you know, due to uh, a huge weekend of college football where they're having all the the top rivalry games. No one cares Black about Fr- college football and Black Friday and Thanksgiving. And Trump's gonna do something racist. So it's just there's gonna be too much going on. This is great. It's going to be like Bellator or Affliction. It's going to be like Affliction. Oscar De La Hoya says this will be the biggest payday of Tito and Liddell's career. Yeah, well, uh, that might be true just because uh, <laughs> these guys uh, I guess have bad management in the past or something like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe De La Hoya is a moron. And... Do you remember when Tito Ortiz uh, brought Cyborg out and put her on the scale to claim she couldn't make like 135 pounds. That was like the best press conference ever. It was just all about her getting on a scale and how large she was. What are the odds still that Tito Ortiz somehow successfully managed Cyborg's career? Did he? Like he, he got her into the UFC. Okay. Like in some again, she's pulled a Diaz. She's gotten everything she wanted. They built her a new division. They gave her a whole new division that doesn't even exist except for for her. She's literally the only person in the world that fights at her weight class. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, I still can't wait for uh, Kayla Harrison to beat the shit out of her. It's going to be the best. Yeah. It, like, that That will happen someday. You know what? I almost feel like she's going to dodge that fight. Like, probably, Cyborg, probably. she seems like the type <laughs> that will avoid fighting, like, a real fighter in her weight class. But I... I could be misjudging her. It's possible. Yeah, uh, maybe she'll offer her enough money and uh, fuck, I don't know. Ali's got to be involved somehow. <laughs> there is a UFC fight night show this weekend. Uh, it starts at 6.30 Eastern Standard Time on Saturday morning. That is in the AM, so you're going to have to get up early if you're listening to this podcast here in America. Uh, which I think our one listener does. Uh, this show is taking place in Beijing, China at the Cadillac Arena. That's uh, the best part of this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, where most Cadillacs are built in China. Uh, in the main event, we've got Francis Ngannou versus Curtis Blades, numero dos. This has got to be some sort of like Trumpian plan, right? Like just to like sabotage the Chinese market. We're just going to give them just an abomination of a fight. <laughs> didn't the first fight suck? Well, I think it, it again? didn't Nganu beat him with like um, an Americana or something weird. Who knows? I'll find out. I know. Uh, like, no, it was a TKO. This what the fuck just, am I thinking of? Like, there's nothing wrong with the fight. It's just not <laughs> sexy at all. Curse Blades beat Anthony Hamilton like six months later with a Kimura. That's what I was thinking of. I am very odd. So Nganu, two straight losses, unanimous decisions to Stipe and Derek the Beast Lewis. In 
the Lewis fight, he looked off. Now, now whatever you're doing, it's like whistling. It's worse. It's getting worse. It's getting better. <laughs> Lewis uh, did not look good in that fight, but Ganu, I think, threw four strikes over the 15 minutes. Cow. That was that was up there. I mean, think about that. That that fight happens, and then the UFC is going to tell China, "We're bringing this excitement to you guys." Well, it was weird before that. Ngannou was very exciting, but uh, Stipe seemed to have uh, stole his <laughs> broken soul. His soul like has when, been taken I, away. I like when you can see a fighter get broken. Like I don't like when like a guy's like broken like physically. <laughs> like that's kind of sad. But there's something kind of like neat about like fighters or even athletes in general when you see him and go. Oh, look at that. He's done. This man is mentally broken. This, he's a physical god, but because his brain won't send the right signals, he can't do the only thing in the world he's good at. His it's op- all because he's afraid. <laughs> Curtis Blades, his opponent, is the third-ranked heavyweight in the world. He has now, since sure. Ngannou lost, gone 5-0-1. Oh, he had one fight overturned because he tested positive for marijuana. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, I heard it's completely legal in uh, your state now. I was watching Massachusetts. This you know what's weird yeah. about Massachusetts? Each town can decide if they want to have um, like like stores that can sell weed or whatever. Um, in every town in, I guess, my county, I guess you would call it a county. Um, Counties aren't a big deal around here. I know it's a bigger deal in other states, but no, no town, every town around here voted it down. Huh. And it's just like, what the hell? It's like, take that money, get that. It's so stupid. But get, that's some weird, like, weirdo, like, politics that don't make any sense to anybody in the world because they don't follow any picnic. Like, super rich people who, like, are all probably Democrats. They're gonna be against weed because oh that's just not that's distasteful or I don't know. Like I mean you can't you know my politics like I lean left but I've got a libertarian streak in me too. It's like people want to smoke weed. I don't give a shit. Like go ahead, but like let's get the money for it. Let's be the one town around here and get that money. Put it in the schools or whatever. I I don't know what you do with that tax money, but um, like why you not? Always need, they like always need are, more money. People are gonna get weed somehow it's like let's take advantage of it but that's just me anyway curtis blades is uh coming off wins over daniel omelinchuk alexi olinick mark hunt and alistar overing yeah i remember blades has kind of actually been on a decent run yeah. like all, all things considered especially like for a heavyweight he's like what one this, this if he wins this fight he breaks a title shot he's he's 27 years old 6'4 254 pounds from chicago and from windy chicago yeah so uh and he's black people like that in a heavyweight uh, like people yeah. love a black guy we like a big strong black guy that looks like he might be a little out of control at one point or another <laughs> like at any moment somebody's gonna yell oh no it's true they are dangerous Wow. Uh, who who do you like in this fight? Is Francis Ngannou washed up and all yeah, done? Yep, I, I like Curtis Blades. I like the Chicago one. He's actually been winning fights for real lately. And Ngannou has, I don't think he's landed a real punch in over, like, in his last two fights. Like, it's been a long time since this man has successfully done anything in a fight. That's not good. Uh, yeah, it would be that Alistair over in KO in December of 2017. So it's Get been out. a year. 
it was well, that was pretty fucking bad. It was man. a good punch. Jeez, that was only a year ago. Dude, his run in the UFC up to that point was crazy. Knockout Luis Henrique. Uh, TKO stoppage over Blades. TKO went over Bohan Mahalovic. Submission went over Anthony Hamilton. Knockout of Arlovsky. Knockout of Overeem. Like, that was yeah. a good run. And then he ran into Stipe, and it's like, ugh. I don't know if. I don't know if he'll come back from it. We'll see. Uh, in the co-main event, we've got Alistar Overeem taking on Sergey Pavlovic. I have no idea who that is. Me neither. No Wikipedia page either. Let's Ooh, see. always good. Um, it looks like that was the original fight. I, I don't see anything here about a fight being swapped or canceled. So, yeah, he sounds like he might be from Dagestan. Sergey Pavlovic. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's something... With a sloped forehead and Sometimes kind of a I dumb think, look on their forehead. Yeah, like that eastern Russia yep. is close to China. So you just say, you know what? Just come over one country and fight. I think that's some of it. Yeah. You know, it's like short plane flight probably from Dagestan to China. Probably. And you're just going from one evil area to another, so it's fine. Uh, prior to that, we will see Song Yadong versus Vince Morales. Yeah, I bet you're going to see his dong, you queer. And in the opener of the main card on UFC Fight Pass, we have Li Jing Lang versus David Zawada. Zawada sounds like uh, a tr- a Trumpian attempt at naming a, a country in Africa. Uh, Fight Pass prelim card is headlined by Kanan Kinan Song versus Alex Morono. I like Alex Morono. What do you like about him? Isn't he the dumb-looking one from Ultimate yep, Fighter? Yeah, totally. Because he looks dumb. I kind of like a dumb guy. Uh, we've got Wu Yanan versus Lauren Muller uh, of the hey. Muller investigation at Women's Flyweight. Woo! I, I should be above cheap jokes on, based on Chinese surnames, but... Hu Yazong versus Rashad Coulter at light heavyweight. <laughs> I mean, what? Also, we had a black guy from America. I'm sure, I mean, Rashad Coulter's got to be a black guy. There's no white guy named Rashad, right? Uh, we've got uh, a two women's strawweight fights. Zahang Whaley versus Jessica Aguilar and Yan Zhang. Versus Siori Kondu. Well, it's nice to see Carlos Condit's wife fighting. We also have Liu Pingyuan versus Martin Day at bantamweight. At middleweight, Kevin Holland versus John Phillips. I don't know who those two Americans pissed off. <laughs> and in the bantamweight opener. Opener, Luis Soka. Did you just like slip up. into? You slip into a Boston accent, like a. Well, like, you know like what the issue re- was. I, I'm looking at something on my phone and trying to read my computer at the same time, and I mixed up Opena with Luis Smoka. Yeah. Uh, and I, he's I like taking on every once in a while. You just can't help it. It's like, oh shit! I slipped, and the dumb Boston accent comes out. How dare like, you're, you? So you're like you're you're like some like some. Uh, like like Michelle Obama talked about that about uh, hood speak or, or whatever it is. There's, hood speak. There's something that she, there's a term 
where basically black people sound white around their white friends and they sound black around their black friends. And like the black, like the hood blacks will like get on the, the other blacks or something like that. It's a real thing. Like it's mm. a, it's, you have to be woke to hear about it, but it's a real thing. And I thought Dude. maybe you have like the same thing with, uh, with Boston. No, I, it was like, just oh, I'm from Southie again. Ah, fuck it. I fucking hate blacks too. Ah, shit. I'm trying to get through the show on Blackout Wednesday here. Uh, so yeah, opener, opener is Louis Smoka versus Suma Dierji. Suma Dierji. Didn't Louis Smoka get glass in his eye? Can you just go to Wikipedia and yeah. look at this guy, please? Oh, Are you... oh. I thought you were just like, I thought it's like my dumb rhetorical question. You're like, can you just go to Wikipedia and look it up? All right. No, I, I didn't even listen to your question because yeah. I wanted to get my uh, shit it, what, my what, high what spots gonna, in. What am I supposed to find here? Check, check UFC Fight Night Blades versus Ganu 2. Uh, the latest. And... Just type in UFC <laughs> events, Wikipedia. Yeah, I know. Okay. Right, I'm already looking for Ganu, but yeah. Look at the, la- the guy's name on the f- first match. It's Suma Dayerji, Suma Dayerji. So he's Muslim. I don't know what that is. He's Muslim. Whenever you see a Why? weird fucking name like that, it's Muslim. Whenever you repeat it like that, that's Muslim. Muslims do that. Yeah, okay. Suma. <laughs> okay, now it doesn't look Muslim. It could be could be. What Thailand. is that? could be Thai. Thai. It could Suma be. Well, why is his first name the same as his last name? Ours is to... Uh, not question why, but to appreciate that we're, I don't know. Sumadayirji. Sumadayirji? Sumadayirji. It could be Indian. This could be a lot of things. You know, honestly, I was convinced at first it was Muslim, which isn't even really a thing at all, obviously. But uh, now I'm just thinking it could be anything that wants to, I don't even want, I was going to say anything wants to kill me, but that's not true. Indians don't want to kill me. I wonder if I could live in India. I wonder if I could live in India. Yeah, I would, uh, that'd be awful. Nice people, I It's bet. not supposed to be that clean. I bet the people are nice. Sumandai Yerji, Sumandai Yerji, MMA. Let's see what we can find out here. The, uh, he looks Asian. He looks yeah, okay. Asian. We got, got an got, Asian, uh... everybody. We've got one. <laughs> Some site called MMA Today says, Welcome to the UFC, Sumandai Yerji. Let's see what's here. These people, whoever runs this site, you got to respect them putting an article about Suma Dayerji. Man, um, we, we, we got articles about neck guy. <laughs> neck Diaz? Yeah. Ah, Suma Dayerji's nickname is the Tibetan Eagle. I He's can't believe his nick- I would have, if you had asked me what his nickname was, I would have said Suma Dayerji. <laughs> This site is really weird. It's got like, uh, how will Suma Dayerji fare in the UFC? Oh, yeah. Okay. They're, they have a, and, and then, they're SEOing it. Uh, Suma Dayerji is a name that's not too familiar to the MMA fan base and even to the more hardcore MMA fans. True. With that said, after watching footage, I am very impressed with Suma Dayerji. The Chinese fighter fights with a karate base with a tall build and a long reach. Can say he's one dimensional as Sumadai usually doesn't hardly ever shoot for a takedown, but his takedown defense is very good. Sumadai Yushi's favorite strike is a sidekick as he will throw it to the body and switch it up to the head, which is so precise and quick. 
His speed and footwork are very good, and the amount of distance he can cover so fast is excellent. I like when people talk about, like, a fighter's favorite technique. And I know that, like, yes. it's a thing, like, his favorite strike is the sidekick. It always comes across to me like something out of a video game. Like, in Street Fighter 2, his favorite technique is the jumping roundhouse <laughs> kick or something like that. Very Japanese way to do things, too. There's one comment on this page from a guy named Drew Miller. Shout out, Drew. What up, Where Drew? did you find the footage on Sumadayirji, if you don't mind? And the writer wrote back, website called Yoku. Cool. Thanks. Looked on Yoku before. Couldn't find him, but found him now. Who the fuck is going on a website called Yoku and looking for food, footage of Sumadayirji? Well, obviously people that are more knowledgeable about the sport than we are. I mean, like, I, I just can't imagine. Like, I, I watch a lot of MMA and listen to a lot of podcasts, but wow. It's just somebody doing something. It's just people that do it just to say that they did it. Like, nobody gives a shit. Clearly. Clearly. But, yeah, I found an article on Sumadayirji. I'm rooting for Sumadayirji. Nowhere in this article, like if I was writing this article, I would have researched why it's called Sumadayirji, Sumadayirji. That's what I'm interested in. Well, that's why they're watching fights and you're riffing with me on MMA and stuff here at halfguarded.com and iTunes and all that other shit. Yeah, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitter, we're everywhere. Pornhub. Multimedia conglomerate. Uh, did you hear about the American that was killed by a bow and arrow on a remote Indian island? I did actually. <laughs> I like hearing. I like hearing. I like hearing stories about morons dying due to being stupid. Then it's always really white get... people. It's always a white guy. It's you've never <laughs> once heard of a single story in which a black guy's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to a fucking remote island and see if I can make friends with the natives. Maybe if I just smile a lot and I show them how nice I am, they won't do anything to me. But you, you would never see a black guy. They would be like, if you, said that, if you suggested that to a black guy, he would look at you and be like, are you out of your fucking mind? You think I'm just going to go up there and just hope that people are nice? What are you, fucking stupid? John Allen Chow had dreamed of returning to the Adamon Islands. Mr. Chow, an American thought to be in his 20s, was fulfilling that dream last week when he set off by kayak. Mr. Chow? You're telling me a fucking Asian did this? That doesn't make any sense. C-H-A-U. Oh. Okay. Um, he set off by kayak. You know what kayaks are, right? I like kayaks, yeah. Okay. Also, a very, also a very white guy thing to do. I'm going to get my <laughs> kayak and go save the rainforest people. He headed for a remote island inhabited by a tribe whose members have killed outsiders for simply stepping on their shore. Fishermen warned him not to go. Few outsiders had ever been there. And the Indian government, this is part of India, it's an island off the coast of India. And India government regulations clearly prohibited any interaction with people on the island called North Sentinel. Like, what, but, does, it, what does it mean? The government prohibits interactions. If you go to the island, the people on the island will kill you. So, like, why do you need a law preventing you from... What are you going to do? Punish someone by not... By, by saving their life? 
Yeah, the government's always interfering. Yeah. But Mr. Chow pushed ahead in his kayak. Think of all the opportunity, ha- economic opportunities been lost from Kevorkian and such. This part you'll be able to relate to. Mr. Chow pushed ahead in his kayak, which he had packed with a Bible. Okay. There you go. Yeah, you're into that. Yeah. After that, it is a bit of a mystery what had happened. No, it's not. Say, no, it's not. White guy showed up with a Bible goes, have you guys heard about the healing power of Christ? What? There's this guy that died, and then he came back to life. You know, zombie, and then they killed him. Police say one thing is clear. Mr. Chow did not survive. On Wednesday, the Indian authorities said that Mr. Chow had been shot with bows and arrows by tribesmen when he got on shore, and that his body was still on the island. Fishermen who helped take Mr. Chow to North Sentinel told the police that they had seen tribesmen dragging his body on the beach. I like the... I want to. I'm just picturing this, and this is, I guess, how all ministry must work, or whatever. But like, here you show up with a Bible, thinking I'm going to teach these people about Jesus, right? There's a tribe that is prohibited. You're prohibited from talking to who murder you for stepping on their land. You're going to introduce Jesus into their life, and you have to explain to them. All right, this guy died, then he came back to life. Why? He did this for. To make your sins okay. My sins? Yeah, basically, you're a piece of shit. You didn't know you're a piece of shit, but you've been a piece of shit the whole time, and this guy did it for you. Like, you have to explain to these people that they're pieces of shit, and they didn't know that they were a piece of shit, and then they should be grateful that you handed them a book saying, by the way, you're a piece of shit. Now do this, and you won't be a piece of shit forever. No wonder they fucking killed him. Yeah, sounds kind of silly. Yeah, it is pretty stupid. <laughs> It's a hell of a scam to rape little kids, though. Mr. Chow, believed to be 26 or 27, and from Washington State, may have been trying to convert the islanders to Christianity. May have been. Right before he left in his kayak. Maybe he's trying to convert to Christianity? What if he's trying to maybe convert them to Islam? He wouldn't have brought a Bible then. Right before he left in his kayak, Mr. Chow gave the fisherman a long note. In it, police officials said he had written that Jesus had bestowed him with the strength to go to the most forbidden places on earth. The Andaman and nearby Nicobar Islands are beautiful. Palm fringe specks ringed by coral in the Indian Ocean. The government controls access very carefully of the more than 500 islands. Many areas are off limits. Oh, yeah. The government controls it very carefully, yet some asshole moron from America who's stoned and has a Bible and a kayak is able to get through. On November 14th, Mr. Chow hired a fishing boat in Port Blair, the main city in the Andamans, to take him to North Sentinel. He waited until darkness to set off police officials he hired so he would people. not be detected. He didn't even do it himself. He hired people. He told other people of his plans, and they just said, all right, yeah. And somehow this is a, a very heavily guarded and regulated area. Good job there, India. I can't believe that India has such poor infrastructure. Well, it's 500 islands. Um, it probably isn't that easy to... Not everybody has a Coast Guard. Uh, TN Pandit... I feel Antipo- like India should have a Coast Guard. They, have they nuclear, probably do have a Coast Guard to some weapons. degree, but it's not like ours where there's... Probably, I, I don't even know how our Coast Guard works, to be honest. But Tian Pandit, an anthropologist, Tian Pandit, an anthropologist who visited the North Sentinel several times between 1967 and 1991, said the Sentinelese people 
who officially number around 50 and who hunt with spears and arrows fashioned from scraps of metal that wash up on their shores were more hostile to outsiders than other indigenous communities living in the Andamans. Somebody... How the fuck is there still an island in 2018 with only 50 people on it who are like complete savages? Yeah, they're, they're, they're all... it's, it's like baffling that this still goes on. Like it screams of like, you know, colonization and like the 15, 1600s where, you know, obviously the Western world, the, the old world is visiting the new world. But it's like, don't you like, I don't know. There's a certain reality that you get confronted with when you see how truly how indigenous people truly live. And you go, oh, wait a second. This is not gla- like yes, I'm sure that the North Americans Indians probably had some things, and I'm sure there were beautiful parts of cultures, but a lot of it was just a it's just a real, real shit existence. Like they're just living off of shit that washes up on the ocean, and they're just murdering each other and raping because you know they're all just incestuously making babies and stuff. Yeah, there's only fifty of them. Like it, yeah. it's weird though, because like it screams to me like wait, like pre pre anything pre before christ before anything where it's like you know you're on this island and you know whatever somebody from the mainland moved there started a family and now there's like 50 people around it it's just bizarre (laughs) this guy mr pandit here uh tells more stories um once when mr pandit's expedition offered a pig to the sentinelese two members of the tribe walked to the edge of the beach speared it and buried it in the sand They've probably never seen a pig. Do you know what I mean? They're like, what the fuck is this? We'll just kill it. Again, uh, know, what, know what they are. They're people who've learned the lessons of the pilgrim. They've learned the lessons of Thanksgiving. They're going to say Trump. Oh, I was, it's kind of learning the lessons of Trump. They're Trumpian. They, they have. They've learned the lessons of Trump and that they're keeping out the foreigners. They know what happens if you don't build your fucking wall. They've, they've looked around. They've seen Thanksgiving. They know exactly what happened. The last time the, fuck, the last time a fucking white guy showed up in an island full of in savage people, the savage people were saved through death. During another encounter, Mr. Pandit was separated from his colleagues and left alone in the water. A young tribesman on the beach pulled out a knife and made a sign as if he was carving out my body. He threatened me. Mm-hmm. I understood. Contact was different with the Sentinelese. He added, noting that the Jawara, another tribe, invited us to come ashore and sang songs with us. Being left alone was very important for the Sentinelese, said Stephen Corey, the director of Survival International. This tragedy should never have been allowed to happen, um, adding that the Indian government m- must protect the tribe from further invaders. I mean, that's, I understand what they're saying, but it's kind of weird. Like, they murder a guy and everybody's response is, we got to protect these people more. Like, they just murdered a dude. How about some justice? You know, go and introduce these sentinels to, to the white man's way. Let's go in there and show them they're wrong. I mean, they killed a dude. They got to know killing is wrong. Gift-giving expeditions to the Sentinelese stopped in 1996. The Indian Navy now enforces a buffer zone to keep people away. In 2006, the Sentinelese killed two fishermen who had accidentally drifted on shore. According to the fishermen who helped Mr. Chow, they motored for several hours from Port Blair to North Sentinel. Mr. Chow waited until the next morning at daybreak to try to get to shore. He put his kayak in the water less than half a mile out and paddled toward the island. The fishermen said that the tribesmen had shot arrows at him and that he had retreated. 
He apparently tried several more times to reach the island over the next two days, offering gifts such as a small soccer ball, fishing line, and scissors. But on the morning of November 17th, the fishermen said they saw the islanders with his body. You know, ladies, this is why men are the way they are. You think that we are rude and we just we're so persistent and we don't take no for an answer. This, this asshole had people shoot arrows at him and he said, fuck it, I'm still going to keep going. Like, what the hell? They shot arrows at you and instead of going, eh, I, wonder, I wonder if they want me to come visit or not. And the arrow goes whizzing by his head. He's like, eh, I, I, I'm, I'm getting mixed signals here. And also, what the hell is up with the guy, the, the boat operator? It's a location where the last time a boat went near it on accident, they murdered everybody involved. And so this guy's like, so uh, I want you to take me to the island. Which island? The one where they murder sea captains. Can you take me to that island, please? And they're like, yeah, sure. What the hell? This whole thing is just, this is like, this is, again, it's got to be white people. It's like playing, it's like jumping into a bear pit or something at a zoo. Did you know what's going to happen? Seven people who helped Mr. Chow reach the island have been arrested and charged with a culpable homicide, not amounting to murder, and with violating rules protecting Aboriginal tribes. What is the Another- end goal of the, of the visit? Like, you're going to give them some gifts, or do you think they're going to give you a hug? You think this is good? How do you really? Like, this guy sat there and really thought to himself, I'm going to show up in my gift of a soccer ball will be so overpowering to their senses that they will forget that they were a murderous tribe of inbreds, embrace me as one of their own, and accept the healing power of Christ. <laughs> In a blog post from several years ago, Mr. Chow said he had coached soccer, worked for AmeriCorps, and that he was an explorer at heart. Uh-huh. The Indian police said he had visited the Andamans at least three times. When asked what was the top of his must-do list, Mr. Chow had written on the blog, going back to the Andaman and Nicobar Islands in India is on the top. There's so much to see and do there. Just leave people alone, all right? They're just poor people in India. Don't, you're just showing up to gawk at them. Just, what do you do? Just leave them alone, all right? Don't go there. And if you do show up, guess what? You're going to get fucking killed. They're not subtle. You saw what happened to the last guy that showed up there. They shot arrows at you. They gave you a warning, you asshole. You're like the grizzly man. Yeah, you got eaten by the bear at the end. Duh. Moving along, after new details have emerged, a Chipotle restaurant in St. Paul, Minnesota, has rehired one of their managers who was let go when a video went viral last week in which she told a group of African-American customers they need to pay before being served. In the video posted on Twitter on Friday, a group of young men are trying to place an order when the manager says, you've got to pay because you never have money when you come in here. The group then accuses her of racism. This was infuriating. (laughs) Just all this, like, fuck Chipotle for firing her. Fuck everyone for everyone involved because they they just wanted to believe it. And these guys just, God, there's something, it's just piece of garbage people they everybody knew they were doing it she clearly says in the video like it's not like she's going no you're black like she goes you guys never have money like she knows who they are can we just use a little common sense that somebody who works at chipotle probably isn't out there looking at every black customer and being like you gotta show me money (laughs) 
Well, I, I think it's funny because also is that a thing? Like, oh, if somebody said, "Hey, if you want to pay you guys, show me money," I'd be like, oh, "That's a little weird," but okay, I have proof that I can pay. Like, I don't know, it's the store's policy. It is weird. Yeah, usually you pay at the end, like Chipotle. You go through, you pick your oh, shit, yeah. what you want in it, and but then like you if pay. Somebody, if they, if somebody asked me to show that I could pay for my food, it would never occur to me that that would ever be considered racist. Ever in a million. Well, that's because you're white. It's probably because I don't have a history of dying and dash, and I'm not a poor tipper. Um, I, I like that Chipotle's knee-jerk reaction was to fire her. Then they find out more about it, and they rehire her. I'd be like, you know what? I, I'm probably good. I'll just find another fast food restaurant to work in. Yeah, well, this is the way. This is the world we live in now. It's all knee-jerk, and we've all made, we've all contributed to this, and we all have to learn to live with it. It's, it'll all sort itself out in about five, ten years, and people will be like, "So, uh, seeing your resume here, you've only been uh, the you've only been the center of three social media fuck ups. That's pretty good. That's pretty good for a twenty two year old. All right, I really admire your uh, restraint and composure. Only one dick pic. Bravo, you are quite the social media maven." Uh... Chipotle put out a uh, not a message, but whatever uh, statement public service announcement. <laughs> While our normal protocol was not followed serving these customers, we publicly apologize to our manager for being put in this position. We will con- we will work to continue to ensure that we support a respectful workplace for our employees and our customers alike. Our policy is to treat our customers' employees fairly. And with respect at all times and under any circumstances, we will work with all our restaurant teams to ensure they are prepared to handle situations of this kind and know they have our full support. We are committed to doing the right thing and acting in a manner consistent with a thoughtful and fact-driven approach. Yeah, look, this is purely uh, the boss is fucking up. Don't give me this. You're going to impose new stuff and blah, blah, blah. There's nothing to be trained here. You assholes of corporate are dicks. Do your job better. That's it. Don't be a dick. Just get off Twitter. Get off Twitter. If you don't, if you just don't have Twitter, it doesn't exist. And life moves on, and nobody in the world gives a fuck about anything. The U.S. The United States Centers for D- Disease Control and Prevention warned U.S. consumers on Tuesday tonight eat romaine lettuce as it may be way ahead of you. E. coli. Not a problem for you. I've been you, a fucking but, uh, trendsetter on this one. You've um, you're familiar with Caesar lettuce. salads. I am familiar with lettuce. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of different types of lettuce. I'm, a, I'm only kind of familiar. I, I'm aware that there is lettuce in the world, and I'm aware that there's more than one kind of lettuce. I don't really know much more than beyond that. Well, usually romaine is like the, kind... le- the lettuce, like the head of lettuce, right? Yeah, well, that's iceberg. Oh, like the round. Yeah, like, I, I know you don't go through the the fresh fruit and vegetable I've section. I see, I've been. Oh, no, you got to walk through there to get to the bakery. But I get. I, I'm guessing you probably get confused by like cabbage. There's is that like, lettuce? No, it's slightly different. But I mean, it's cabbage. A, a cabbage. It's red. Looks. Mm, there's also green oh. cabbage as well. Anyway. Uh, romaine appears to be an issue. There was an issue with romaine lettuce like a, a year ago, I would say. That was with um, like pre-sliced romaine that was chopped up. You can buy like a um, like hearts of romaine and chop it up yourself. That was okay. But now the CDC is saying we don't know where this tainted romaine came from. 
no one should eat any romaine. So I was in the supermarket today, like anything with romaine has been pulled. Um, It's just interesting because right now it's 13 people in the United States have been hospitalized um, in 11 states. So it's, it seems scattered and weird that 13 people in 11 states, like how do you figure out where it came from or what the story is? Um, And it's obviously an ongoing story and things could have changed since I looked this up this afternoon, but uh, one of the people hospitalized developed hemolytic uremic syndrome, a potentially life-threatening form of kidney failure. Um, no deaths have been reported as of yet, though. This is one of those stories that just like everybody in the world shared it because everybody had the same joke of, well, no problem. Like, oh, darn, I won't have to eat lettuce anymore. Like, this isn't like a devastating right. thing. And yet it really is devastating if you get fucking E. coli. Like, these people could almost die. Like, that's a real deal disease. I kind of like undersell it because like, ah, eh, you know, I think of like you get E. coli, but you're just going to shit a little or whatever. But like, no, these people could die. Yeah. That'd be a real problem. Um, like if, I, if I fucking ate a salad and died, it would fuck, <laughs> my tombstone would have to read, I told you. Uh, 18 people in Canada have had it, uh, issues as well. They've become sick from the same oh, strain the, of E. coli. The, the Canadians are just pansies so though something true yeah yeah you would probably be fine yeah. just walk it off yeah uh, <laughs> um it's just to me it's interesting because this doesn't happen more often because yeah. think about it's a, all yeah all the whatever 375 million people in the united states eating you know two three meals every day whether it's meat chicken fish lettuce like ready to eat food stuff you don't have to cook um like there's rarely outbreaks like this. Like it's, we do the FDA. Like I, I, I know you're not a fan of the government, but <laughs> like, that's a pretty good agency. We should uh, keep putting money into because nobody really, I want to say ever gets sick from food, but usually it, it's like the food handlers. Like, you know what? You're selling burgers that sat in the fridge for a week or whatever. And somebody gets sick that way. It doesn't come to you in that way. To, to a restaurant or a supermarket that way. Usually it's fresh and it's good. And like literally nobody ever gets sick. No, it, it's, it's amazing. The billions of meals. Whatever, for whatever reason, like however it's been put together, whether it's, you know, the industry did it or the government or whatever, like America is remarkable in how safe our food is compared to like, even Europe seems to have like weird mad cow and shit like that. Like America though, we are just fucking awesome at like everything. Like, what an awesome country. We just fucking, we dominate, we dominate making food clean. We win wars. We have like all this freedom and drugs and abortions. It's like America, you can do anything in America, man. Fucking awesome. FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb said Tuesday that it's frustrating that the FDA cannot tie the outbreak to a specific grower. Yeah. But we have confidence that it's tied to romaine lettuce. Most of the romaine lettuce being harvested right now is coming from California. Although there's some lettuce coming in from Mexico. Yeah. Uh-oh, uh, Trump. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Trump was right. Was it? There's, are they sending us their good lettuce? No. They're poisoning our food. Fucking Mexico. This is an act of war. That lettuce is selling drugs and raping people. Hey, it's fucking with somebody's raping someone's inside. So, uh, no Caesar salads for you, unless Uh, you do like a like a kale Caesar. You you could do something a little different. Yeah, just remember to massage the kale. It's a little fibrous. I don't know what 
what do you mean massage it? Yeah, give it a little squeeze. The fuck are you talking about? Like before it's... I chew it? Or it's fucking kale is kale, a plant. Kale kale is very uh it can be tough and oh. chewy. So to break it down, a lot of times you'll use some like like citrus or something oh. and you'll give it a, a nice like a, vine- like a vinaigrette to break it down a little bit. Have you ever like uh, cook like spinach? Of course, like not. baby spinach. Of course well, not. like it, it, you can get like a whole bag of spinach at the supermarket, throw it in a saute pan, add a little oil, whatever, garlic, salt, pepper, and it'll like shrink down like crazy. It's kind of the same idea with kale. You gotta you gotta beat it up a little bit to make it more tender. Look, I'm not gonna take the risk of confusing kale with lettuce. Mm. So there's romaine. It's a, a specific type of lettuce at this point. I think it would be, be bigger issues. Look, although it would be really, really irresponsible of a store if I could walk in and accidentally buy some ro- E. coli infested romaine lettuce right now. Like that should be off the shelf. Some little kid could grab that shit. We're going to sell it real cheap. Be like, take your chance on the shit. Like, where does the E. coli come from? It comes from shit. Is this like somebody just took a dump on the lettuce somewhere and it got an, into 11 states? Well, I can remember years ago they were saying like the farmers and stuff would would poop in the fields instead of trying to find the bathroom like a mile away. Like that was the thing with like strawberries in the 90s. I remember vividly. I mean, it was like a running joke that, no, the farmers are shitting in the fields again. Well, what, uh, what, but isn't that how you – isn't that compost? Isn't that part of, you know – there's something stuff? different, but yeah, but there's something different about human shit and like treated cow manure. I bet this is all just like some cover because some asshole at the CDC fucked up, and like <laughs> like some like government some government uh, experiment on people, some well, mil- some military project run amok, and so this is their cover. At least we caught it. And- yeah, instead of like telling everybody like, oh shit, our crazy disease that we're creating to fight the 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 war with the Chinese in twenty years, yeah, uh, no, nah, that was uh, bad lettuce. Really, Bob? Really? That's the best you could come up with? Bad lettuce? Who the fuck's gonna believe? Bad? And it turns out everybody believed it. Like, oh fuck, we that worked real well. They totally bought it. We were talking wrestling, pro wrestling earlier in the show, Survivor Series a little bit, Brock and Ronda. But my favorite match of the weekend was uh, David Arquette for first Nick Gage. Holy fuck. Did you see uh, his Jeez. hardcore Good gosh, death did I, match? Yeah, I saw the, the, the end part of it. Yeah, it was interesting. Nick Gage is an old uh, CZW guy who I think went to jail for a while for like either kidnapping or murder. And he got out and somehow he ended up in a match with David Arquette. Who is Jack? who apparently took this fight on only like, I say fight this match on like, like a few days notice. It was a spur of a moment thing, like in a bar, like you can see the bar in the background and maybe like a couple hundred fans there. They're doing like crazy shit, like light tubes and like chair spots. And like, it's your typical like CZW style hardcore match. But at one point, like, I, I had trouble discerning what exactly happened, but Arquette took like a light tube to the neck somehow and started like bleeding bad. And he I think Cage stabbed him with it on purpose. Well, I was under the Arquette's claiming he like panicked essentially and freaked out and got hit where he wasn't supposed to. He wrote on Twitter, I want everyone to know I have nothing but respect for GC wrestling Nick Gage and Joey Janela. The main reason I got cut is because I panicked. I was clearly in over my head. They're pros, so please don't give them shit. Much respect. Uh, the, the, 
they're not pros. They're they're hitting each other with light bulbs. Like, what do you but mean? But there probably is a safer way to do that. I'm no, there's not, not really. I think it's a fucking light bulb. There's no controlling a light bulb. It just fucking shatters. That shit gets everywhere. They're morons. He's a moron thug who almost murdered you in front of everybody. It's absurd. <laughs> and he's apologizing for it. It's interesting because Arquette's obviously always been into wrestling. He had that run in WCW where he like pinned Ready Russo and won the WCW title. Ready to rumble. Um, so, but I, I haven't he seen al- him in any wrestling prob- at all. He probably also knew uh, early on that Charlotte Flair was going to be something. <laughs> he may have. He may have. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that, that that was crazy. Like a lot of cuts on his back, just all banged up. Like I, I don't know why he decided like to do a death match on an indie show with a couple hundred people in the crowd. Um, he could probably still get on Raw if he wanted to. They're desperate for ratings. Yeah, but the Raw won't let him get hit by the light bulb and if yes, he, he's got to do it for the like, love of the of the, of the uh, art the art it's all about the art of you know indie i watched this and the, the part our cat shoots on him where he's just clearly like what the fuck are you doing and right. then he's just walking around he's confused like i don't know what to do and he gets in there and obviously like everybody's aware that david arquette is genuinely about to die He's holding blood into his neck in the middle of a pro wrestling match. Then he's wandering around, and everybody's kind of like in on it. And I'm just looking at this going, what is this? This man is like literally bleeding out of his jugular in his fucking neck. And this isn't a fight. Nobody thinks this is real. We're just watching people hurt each other. And they're not right. even pretending like it's a competition. Like at least at, at one point, like you know, you're faking. You're like there's some like art for. There really wasn't an art to it. Like, just who can get stabbed in the neck with a light bulb? That's not an art. That's that's like yeah. a, that's like that's like something that uh, um, that the, the Justice Department uh, pursues the criminal charges for when that uh, porn guy makes it as a video. It's a weird one, that whole death match scene. Like, I, I've never been a fan of that style of wrestling. But it's like whoever can take the worst beating and will take the most damage is, like, the biggest star. You know what I mean? It stems from, like, Mick Foley and Sabu and FMW and Terry Funk and those exploding death matches. That's where, that's where I think that whole genre developed from. And CCW's just taking it further just with, like light tubes and, you know, stapling the dollar bill to people's foreheads, like all those gimmicks. It's like, there's no way to fake that. And it's like, it's just a weird niche in the, in the wrestling business, which made it weird that Arquette wanted to partake in it when he's actually got, I mean, currently he's a B list, C list. He's got a lot of money though. I guess he, uh, produces some shows. Yeah. They're talking about a Rogan or whatever. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe he probably does a lot of indie wrestling and we don't know about it because he's just, again, Possibly. he probably loves doing it. I get that. I get, on some level, he's got his money, he wants to have fun. Okay, but you know, want to be a star to these fans or whatever, but like, how many, what are we talking across the entire country? 10,000 people? Like, you can literally rem- memorize the names of all the people who will be your fans because you got stabbed in the neck with a light bulb. And then I want you to really tell somebody, like, play that out in your head. 
you're just at the grocery store buying fucking kicks or whatever kicks are for kids uh you know the tricks are for kids tricks yeah uh, you know you're buying some fucking little rabbit inspired uh rabbit shit inspired fruity pebbles thing and somebody goes hey what happened to your neck and, well you have to tell a total stranger i got stabbed in the neck with a light bulb during a fake fight <laughs> why'd you do that so a bunch of losers would like me <laughs> like what the fuck is your life you're you're going out of your way to seek the adulation of the lowest rung of society. Stop doing this. A New Hampshire judge has ordered Amazon to turn over two days of Amazon Echo recordings in a double murder case. Prosecutors believe that recordings from an Amazon Echo in a Farmington home where two women were murdered in January 2017 may yield further clues to their killer. Although police seized the Echo when they secured the crime scene, any recordings are stored on Amazon servers. The order granting the search warrant said that there's probable cause to believe that the Echo picked up audio recordings capturing the attack and any events that preceded or succeeded the attack. Apparently, uh, your Google Homes and Apple Homes and Echoes are recording you all the time. Okay. I, I heard that it's every time you say Alexa it starts recording. So it's not recording 24-7. So while these people were getting murdered, they were saying Alexa? That's the thing. what we're going with? Here's the thing. Yeah, because otherwise... <laughs> yeah, well, totally. Otherwise, it's normal. There's no way they're recording. Hey, it. Alexa, save us. Yeah, well, I mean, look. What the fuck? I don't think that they're recording it all the time, though, because imagine the amount of space that would require. Like, yeah, that would I don't take... really know how that works. Yeah, like Is I it would... a lot of space? I don't know. Yeah, I think to, you know, to record everybody's every second of their life, like, yeah, that would just eventually, it would just be too much energy. But I'm sure they're recording way more than they let you know. And I guess the point is, is that maybe they have a special setting on the Alexa that picks up the ambient noise of a murder. And they know that Jeffrey Bezos is into that kind of thing. And so uh, they want the recordings. (laughs) When reached an Amazon spokesperson, he's worth one hundred and fifty billion dollars. I guarantee you, the only thing that gets him hard anymore is listening to people die. Huh? Interesting. When reached, an Amazon spokesperson did not comment, but the company told the Associated Press last week that it won't release the information without a valid and binding legal demand properly served on us. In other words, like we ain't telling you guys shit we're doing. Like you don't want to know what we're doing. Like we are doing so much shit that you have no idea. And by the time you guys find out what we've done, you're fucked. I own. It's interesting because news- Jeffrey Bezos. I own the internet and a newspaper. What are you gonna do? It's funny because people buy these things and put them in their own homes. So uh, I guess you don't have to do that. Uh, no, you don't. It's funny how yeah. that. It's funny how that's the great thing about technology is that you can just turn it off. You're fine. You Throw it out. It. You can yeah. just read a book. I think yes. about this all the time. I wish I could figure out some way that I could just be an adult and just like read a book. Stop watching shit on TV. Like I sat there today at one point because I came home early from work and I'm like. I'm watching, like, there's nothing to watch on TV. There's 5,000 channels. Like, there's nothing for me to watch. And I'm like, why not read a book? And so I just started listening to the Jake the Snake podcast. It was fascinating. Yeah, way better. Yep. Uh, an internal investigation has been launched at the Detroit Police Department after two different precincts got into a turf war as they converged on an east side neighborhood. 
Neighbors who live on Andover on Detroit's east side will be the first to tell you this area is known for constant drug activity. Definitely a drug problem in our neighborhood for years, said one resident, but I don't think anyone can stop it. On Thursday, Detroit police certainly tried, but maybe too hard. Sources say it started when two special ops officers from the 12th precinct were operating a push-off on Andover near Seven Mile. That is when two undercover officers pretending to be dope dealers waiting for eager customers to approach and then arrest potential buyers and seize their vehicles. But this time, instead of customers, special ops officers from the 11th precinct showed up, not realizing they were fellow officers. They ordered the other undercover officers to the ground. I think maybe I'm just paying attention more to the world, but I am astonished at how fucking stupid the average person is. This whole world should be falling apart. It's a miracle that we have the law and order that we do have. These are the police, (laughs) the fucking people that we give the only people in all society. We have told them we trust your judgment so much that we will let you kill people if you deem it necessary. And they're fighting each other as they try to fake buy and fake sell fake drugs. Sources say guns were drawn and punches were thrown while the homeowners stood and watched. The department's top cops were notified along with internal affairs. Each officer involved is now under investigation as the department tried to determine what went wrong. I mean, imagine the, the look on the, one of them faces and go, you're under arrest. No, you're under arrest. I'm, a, I'm an undercover cop. No, I'm an undercover cop. <laughs> It's like out of a like a dumbass comedy. It, it really is. Like if you saw this movie, it would actually be it would be a pretty funny send up. Uh, a curling team led by an Olympic gold medalist has been kicked out of a Canadian tournament tournament for poor behavior and drunkenness. Ryan Fry, who won gold for Canada at the 2014 Winter Olympics, and his teammates forfeited their final game at the Red Deer Curling Classic. In Alberta, after fans and opponents complained, the group reportedly broke brooms and damaged locker rooms. In a statement, Fry apologized for his behavior. Um, Out of control. They broke those brooms, you motherfuckers. They went out to curl, and they were extremely drunk and breaking brooms and swearing. Oh. Red Deer Curling Center facility manager Wade Thurber told Canadian broadcasters. I swear Canada CBC, is an entire it, Canada is is twenty six million versions of my mother. Fry said, "I wish nothing more than to apologize to everyone individually. I will strive to become a better version of myself while contributing positively to the sport and curling community that I love so much." In this case, I totally picture you remember when like Joe um, Bo Jackson would strike out and break the bat over his knee. Yeah. I picture them like like the I don't even know what the curling that huge stone is called, but they they throw that thing and it goes off the side and they break the brooms over their knees and they're like smashing beer cans on their foreheads. Like I, this would interest me. I wish it's, curling was more like Stone Cold Steve Austin style. It sounds like a scene out of a Will Ferrell movie. <laughs> Possibly. I could picture him just like being over the top drunk. This is bullshit. Just, oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, come on. Just fight and break. And like the only person, the only person that could have played that role better would have been Ric Flair because you could have a match with a broomstick. Good one. And lastly, uh, I'd like to end on a good note. Uh, This took place in Dubai, uh, one of the more 
modern westernized nation uh, areas in the Arabian Peninsula. Prosecutors in the United Arab Emirates are accusing a Moroccan woman of killing her boyfriend, then butchering and cooking his body and serving his remains to Pakistani workers in a traditional rice and meat dish known as makbuz. The national newspaper in Abu Dhabi says prosecutors in Al Ain Emirates say the woman was arrested on suspicion of killing her boyfriend of seven years after he told her of his plans to marry another from their country. So, is this like halal? Is this how like is it? Is this how they prepare meat? I'm not familiar with that practice. Like it's like kosher. Like they gotta kill it while it's alive and bleed it out and. I presume, I hope she followed all the very strict dietary requirements of the Islamic faith. Well, the, the Associated Press here goes on. The newspaper on Tuesday reported that the man was killed three months ago, oh. but that the crime only came Ooh. to light in recent days after the man's brother went looking for him and found a human tooth inside the woman's blender. If you kill somebody, and it's been three months do you think to yourself, I got away with it? I could be a little carefree. I could be a little freer now. Like if if someone finds a tooth in the blender, they're not going to put two and two together. How did the tooth get in the blender? Oh, is my question. Oh, like put it there. Blenders are small, and like, did you put like, did you tear his jaw off and throw his whole jaw and all his lower teeth in the blender? Like, why is the tooth in the blender? And nothing else came out. Like you got all the guts and blood and marrow and everything out of the blender, but left a fucking tooth in there. Maybe the tooth got stuck in the blender, kind of like you know, like a popcorn kernel gets stuck in your teeth. And you know, like it, the next. It day. was there for three months. Well, you know, it's like, like she next... didn't make a she didn't make a shake that? or a soup or anything you, you, since you've, then. You, you've never had popcorn, and like the next day, found a kernel. Maybe two days later, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm on a kernel, like. That's been bugging me. You didn't realize it. Same principle. It's been three. Look, it's the Middle East. All right. People have dead bodies in their house for three months all the time. I, I've never been. I'll, it's a, I'll it's have a religion of peace. It's a religion of peace. Fair. On that note, uh, that's all I've got for this week's edition of MMA and stuff. Did, did we miss anything? No, we thought? missed absolutely nothing except for happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We will be back next week. Thanks for listening. MMA and stuff, halfguarded.com, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. There's uh, Half Guarded on Twitter, Half Guarded Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Thank you for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Be grateful. Bye-bye. Get up, cocksuckers. It's all over. Listen, we had a rough couple of months. Fucking Katrina's cousin Maria. The other one, Puerto Rico, Houston, fucking Florida. Listen, it's been tough up to now. The earthquake in Mexico. Uh, you know, the White House, whoever the fuck is going on. But it don't matter. They want to shoot. It's time for us to fucking shoot, cocksuckers. They want to get down and dirty. Don't forget who the fuck we are. You understand me? We're the baddest motherfuckers out there. You send a message to that fucking North Korean. He's going to be 
sniffing my dick and sucking my asshole. That's the focus. We're going to North Korea in like a year. It's going to be an island. It's going to glow in the dark. You know why? Because we're Americans, cocksuckers. Who the fuck do you think you're dealing with? Stop with the gun control. They're selling more guns than ever the last three days. Stop with the fucking whining. Stop with the Russians on Facebook. I don't give a fuck. Worry about yourself. Keep your eyes open. And get the fuck off Snapchat and fucking Twitter, cocksucker. Stay black.